Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. I'm here with my sister, Julie Dolan, in Dallas, Texas. And Julie, it's September 1st, isn't it? Fall it's- is here. I'm going to put on a sweater, Leanne. I, it's like 97 degrees here in Dallas, but it's officially fall. And so we just pretend that it's cooler, even though it's not, not one bit. Yeah. Yesterday I bought a swag for my front door. You know how I like my holiday front door treatments, Julie. And this is just a beautiful like fall leaves made out of birch bark and stuff. But because of the drought, everything in my yard is falling. So (laughs) everything is brown and awful looking. So really, really makes it feel like fall here. Really, nice. it's very like autumnal, and I think is the word for it. Yes, Julie. Yes, that's the word. We're the Satellite Sisters. You know, you can always find us at SatelliteSisters.com. Thanks for joining us today. It's a Tuesday show, but we actually have some topics that have been in the news. Uh, we're going to talk about the St. Paul rape case. Uh, Julie wants to, has an interesting point of view on that. Um, I would like to talk about uh, the Pope coming to America. <laughs> Very excited about that. And Are I'll you going to buy some of those souvenirs, Land? They have some good Pope souvenirs. I've been reading about that. Yeah. Okay. Not in that kind of way excited. Just excited. I'm just excited to hear what he has to say. Uh, we're going to talk about Serena Williams. She is going for the Grand Slam this week in New York at the U.S. Open. Uber cabs for teenagers. Do you do it, parents? Do you have an account for them? How do you use that? We'd be interested to know. Whew, good news. Julie has a couple things that you worry about, but really are not a big deal. And then finally, Julie, I got a pitch from a casting agent for a reality TV show. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Are you going to do it, Leah? I'm going to tell you the idea, and we can talk about whether you think this is a good idea, why, why this might be helpful to people. Um, but first of all, uh, I did have a case of misplaced outrage <laughs> this weekend. Oh, no. What happened? Well, because you're very good at outrage, Leah. <laughs> I think it's one of your finest uh, uh, characteristics is your ability to to work up a full head of steam. Yeah. So here, and it it sort of goes along with my Greta Gerwig Gerwig misplaced identity this weekend. Uh, So, and I still feel terrible about that. I mean, I feel terrible about that. Um, If you heard the show this weekend, I laid a whole lot of things at Greta Gerwig's footsteps. Footsteps and foot feet that were not her her issues whatsoever, but it goes along with that. So Saturday night we were invited to this musical program here in Pasadena called Musique, right? And Uh-oh. it's conduct. Uh-oh. No, no, no. Would need to worry. You know, I didn't get thrown out or anything. I'm not Sheila. So uh, and um, <laughs> Rachel Warby is the conductor. She's been on Satellite Sisters before. She's this dynamic female conductor, and she puts together these really interesting programs that combine classical music with pop music. And you get a little multimedia. You get slides. Sometimes you get spoken word. You get dancers. So for me, it's good. As someone who really just goes to sleep when I hear classical music <laughs> or really any music without words. Um, I admit or any it. music after dinner. That's yeah. what I, I find. <laughs> right. um, you know, I like that she mixes up the program. So she was doing this program. Uh, it was a tribute to Leonard Bernstein and okay. it was about West Side Story. So that oh. was the basis. They played some West Side Story, but then they also mixed it up with some contemporary takes on things. Uh, they had two sets of Tonys and Maria, one doing the classical Bernstein pieces and the other doing um, sort of contemporary takes on it, you know, singing hip hop, spoken word, jazz. It was interesting. Um, So here's what happens in LA. We go to a lot of theater in LA. And one of the things you realize in Los Angeles is there are so many incredibly talented people here. Much like New York, we have our own stash of very talented actors, singers, dancers, trying to break into the business, 
waiting on tables, tending bar, you know, fully they're, trained. They're much church, Leanne. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I remember going to mass with mom and dad. I mean, they, I mean, even the people that are reading, you know, the, the gospel, I mean, they're like full on, right. well-trained Shakespearean actors. <laughs> it's yeah. true. So uh, you just take it for granted. You go to any production in a tiny theater here or a large one, and we have great, you know, great actors on stage. It's really a pleasure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so they start, you know, they head into West Side Story and, um, Tony and Maria are introduced and this guy starts singing Maria and I, Scott, Julie, it was the voice of an angel. Like I thought I was going to cry. I was like, I have never heard this song sung like this before. Like, this is unbelievable. It was that he was clearly a highly trained vocalist, but like mm-hmm. not too opera airy. You know, is that a word? That's, opera a, that's a good adjective. Opery. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the grand old opera. No, he was he wasn't he wasn't that either. He was and yeah. you know, but not too Broadway, you know, it's just like this unbelievable voice. And he sings this song and I'm looking around at everyone else at the table. I was like, did you hear that? Where did this guy come from? Now, of course, we don't have any programs because uh, I had to carry the sangria into the outdoor event. So I didn't have an extra hand to grab a program. So I don't know who this guy is. But I'm thinking to myself, why isn't this guy a giant star? I mean, how is it possible that all we hear about are like the Kardashians, but this guy with the voice of an angel, how is he not a star? Mm -hmm. So the evening ends, they sing like three or four songs. Every time he opens his mouth, I think this is unbelievable. I'm outraged on his behalf that he's not a huge star. So you have no idea who he is. No idea who he is. So we're walking out to the parking lot afterwards and Uh we had hung out for like a half an hour to talk to our friends and everything. So the cast and crew are now leaving. And who do we run into in the parking lot? But Tony with the voice of an angel, this guy, this unknown poor actor who can't get work anywhere else. And I just said, I go, that was an amazing vocal performance. Where, what is your background? And then he said, he said, well, I did the part on Broadway for two years. It's like, so I guess he was discovered. He was. Apparently I'm not the only one that thinks he has a good voice. He's like a fully. But you were willing to go to bat with him. I was. You were. You were going to set up a campaign right here at Satellite Sisters. I was for this unknown star. You were going to discover him. You were going to turn. That's. You were going to turn Satellite Sisters into American Idol, and and we were going to crown the next great uh, star. Right. But instead, he's already on Broadway in the revival of Sideshow. Uh, His name is Matthew Heidzik. So not only has was he Tony in West Side Story, he was also Kinnicky in Greece. And he's done all this this other work, and he's fully trained. And so he's has also he been, in, been in movies. Did he win a Tony Award? No, or he has something? not won a Tony yet. No, I okay. did because I did I did look up his background. He's not he has not won a Tony, but uh, he's a fully employed Broadway actor, and I can see why because he has the voice of an angel, Julie, <laughs> the voice of an angel. So I was ready to go to bat, Julie. You're absolutely well. Way to go, right. Leon. I'm glad you could pick him out. That's good, Leon. Keep keep up the good work. Thank you perhaps there'll be someone else out there so. right. well Leon, while you were busy discovering the next great star um i was continuing in my role as nana you know um i am i'm a grandmother to four grandchildren the oldest one alice is eight youngest one josephine turns one year one year this this week Leanne. i cannot believe that? that how about that she's a year old wow how- about that she is a walking talking uh wonder that's all i can say so and i have just you know i love everything about being a grandparent i advise all grandparents or grandparents to be to get your own stuff you know get your own equipment get your own car seat your own high chair your own porta crib uh your own toys so that way it makes it easy for your when your grandchildren come over you know the, everything's already here so that the parents of your delightful grandchildren cannot use the excuse like oh we have to lug you know we have to take the car seat out let's not go over <laughs> to see nana that is never they cannot use that excuse with me Leanne. I have car seats everywhere, right? Okay. So one of the things I do have is I have my own set of toys. These are toys that stay at Nana's house. And so when the kids come over, I have toys for all ages. 
there's some fun for everyone. And from time to time, I add a new toy to Nana's uh, toy chest. And so, um, so this past week or about uh, sometime last week, um, I got, I thought this was great for Alice, who is turning eight, and Ben, who's turning six. We spent a lot of time this summer working on board games. Uh, we, we played Monopoly for about two weeks straight. They really enjoyed that. So I thought, okay, they're ready for Clue. You know, do you remember Clue, Liam? Yeah, it's- Julie, we, yeah, I mean, we actively play Clue. Yeah, yes, we're a big Clue. A fanta- I mean, at our house still. Yeah, we love yes, Clue. It- it's a fantastic game. And yeah. uh, and so I was excited to explain everything to them. I figured out that they could get it. We set up the board and we, you know, we took out all, you know, we took out the cards. I introduced them to Colonel Mustard and Professor Plum and Miss Scarlet. And then we had the weapons and we put the weapons. They give you these little icons and, you, you know, these that you put out. And they were going through the weapons, the revolver and the knife and the rope. And, and they were, you know, they, they they were just chatting about that and they picked up the candlestick and and uh alice said well i don't understand how you would um hurt someone with the candlestick <laughs> so i was like oh this this conversation is taking a turn in the wrong direction she's like did they get burned nana is that what happens and then ben the six-year-old she said oh yeah it must be a candle you must get burned by the candle and then being the Nana that I am, that I just have to straighten them out about the proper use of the candlestick in the game Clue, I said, no, no, no. What you do with the candlestick is – can you believe I'm saying this? <laughs> this one, I mean, you whack them over the head with the candlestick. And if you could have seen these two, like, two just innocent children <laughs> just – I've ruined them, Leanne. I yeah. have ruined now them. Now that you mention it, it is a game about murder. So it is a game about murder. <laughs> You're right. I, I never really, really. I guess I didn't focus on that that much, you know, or the how-to part of it, or it was just we never discussed that. But they they didn't know how to. Oh gosh. So. Okay. Yeah. It's a, was, it's a tough life. Life is hard, Julie. Sometimes you get whacked over the head with a candlestick, you know, and, and Alice, the sooner they learn that, the better. <laughs> Alice just looked at me and she said, Nana, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> oh, well, so anyway, so that's what we're working on now. A game of clue. Now that I've corrupted my two oldest grandchildren, I will make a note about that. And I just pass pass that on. So. Well, Lynn, I can see we've had a, a big week, uh, but uh, in our lives, but there there was quite a bit of news that that was going on this week, and I know we wanted to touch on some of these. One was a very serious case that has you know got received national attention, and they referred to it as the prep school rape case. Um, this was, and this past week. Uh, Owen Labry, who was a St. Paul student, was convicted of a number of crimes in association with um, rape, the rape charges brought by a 15-year-old girl. And I didn't watch this case very carefully, but I think you couldn't avoid it because it was, you know, it was in the news a lot. Um, and it was, it was some, somewhat sensationalized because both of these, um, both, of these um, both Owen and the, um, and the 15-year-old, the victim, were students at St. Paul's, which is a very exclusive prep school. Um, and I, I mean, when I hear these cases, I feel like both sides lose. I mean, they're so sad. It is such a sad situation for the 15 year old freshman girl and what has, what has happened to her life. And certainly, uh, you know, it is, it's a sad situation that Owen Labry as well as now convicted as a sex offender yeah. and will spend, spend some time. There was a very interesting article in uh, the Wall Street Journal today written by Catherine Tarbox, who happens to be a graduate of St. Paul's and also a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania. And she was a victim of internet of an internet predator when she was 13 years old she met someone online and he you know he went back and forth and he sounded really attractive he said he was 26 
and she went and met him and and that you know she had a terrible situation once she met him and in fact he turned out to be 41 mm-hmm. years old yeah so it was a terrible situation for her it has caused her much much pain much sadness but she was involved uh, and she writes this in the wall street journal she was involved with the development of the communications decency act um, she went and testified before Congress, and this was this is an act, this is a law to prohibit p- uh, predators, online predators, uh, from going after children and using the internet to do that. Okay? okay, so so that and you know she's very proud of this law that it has really helped her, you know, in her healing, and she works a lot with other children that fall victim to this uh, to this internet crime. But she was saying in the in her piece this morning that she thinks that this Owen Labry was one of the th- the felony conviction that he has standing is that he used a computer to seduce a minor into a sexual encounter. Right. Uh, that that was one of the felony charges. And her point is that this was, uh, you know, this was a gross misapplication of the law. The law was never. Oh, I get it. See what I mean? Yeah. In her mind, what she said is the law was intended to go after predators, after, you know, pedophiles to, you know, but it wasn't intended to ensnare teenagers uh, that that use the computers, that use their cell phones, you know, like, you know, continuously. It wasn't it wasn't intended to ensnare teenagers in this. It was really to go after you know, these criminals, these 41-year-olds, these 26-year-olds that are, that are you know, a completely different, cla- you know, class of people. Because she said if, if Owen and uh, the 15-year-old girl in the, in the case had just had a conversation walking around, he wouldn't have been charged with that, uh, with the felony charge for that. Right. But- there were a lot of, well, the irony, I think, in, especially in what she's saying is, fr- from what I understand from the case, because I was following it, um, Good Morning America was following it pretty closely, is that both of them were using a lot of text messages and Facebook messaging to communicate with each other. So on the one hand, it's what convicted him. And on the other hand, it's really what undermined her Right. Her case in many ways, because there was communication before and after um, the event. So but that she's saying that that's not really what the intent of the of the law. I get that that, now. I I remember thinking, huh, I I remember thinking, hmm, I didn't even think of that. I didn't realize that that was illegal is what I thought, because I thought how often my own teenagers communicate online and right. I didn't realize that was illegal communication or could be damaging communication. Well, that's, so. that's what she says is that's one of the troubling outcomes of that verdict is that it has implications for all teenagers right. you now because everybody, they're, all using their, they're all using their cell phones and their computers and that if the law can be applied to them, it means any interaction can now you know, can now be raised to a felony level, you know, situation. And that, that is, you know, that was not the intent of the law. You know, she said that, you know, she writes in her final paragraph that, you know, that we've gotten this wrong for a long time, that society has really failed to handle sexual crimes appropriately. And, but, you know, this isn't the appropriate response is what she said. Hmm. You know, I mean, we, you know, we have to get it right. Uh, but but to charge, you know, to to use this law in this particular case um, really could have very damaging uh, impacts for for, you know, obviously for for Owen Labry, but also for other teenagers as well. Oh, that is something to think about. To me, that yeah. whole case was just um, a, an opportunity to sit down with your teenage daughter or your teenage son yeah. and talk to them about a, what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Uh, and, and, uh, what well, it was, a it was, if you have sons that, that case, there was a lot in that case that you need to talk to them about. And if you have daughters, so, uh, right. it was a case where n- neither one of them won. The jury sort of believed both of them kind mm-hmm. of, and mm-hmm. you know, both of them will be affected for a lifetime. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Interesting take on that. All right, more news today. Julie, did you see the Pope did like a giant teleconference yesterday? 
<laughs> to like a giant video conference with ABC News in anticipation of his uh, visit to America in September. Were you aware of that? I, I, I didn't get to see it. So what did, what did he do? On okay, the well, here, we only got snippets today uh, online because they're going to show the whole thing on 2020 on Friday, September 4th. You'll be able to see it at 10 p.m. Uh, the Pope met with three different groups of Americans, all via teleconference, some students at a Jesuit high school in Chicago, some congregants from McAllen Church, which is located right near the border, and some homeless men and work women in Los Angeles and those who work with the homeless in LA. So it was connected via video conference. It was all videotaped. David Muir was the moderator and we're going to see um, the whole thing on Friday night. But I have to tell you that Pope every day seems to be saying some surprising things. So, yes. you yes. know, yesterday he said it's okay for priests to forgive women who have had abortions. That's a whole completely different turnaround for the church and starting in this, you know, year of forgiveness. Uh, that's okay. Priests can use their discretion in that manner. I just think it's going to be very interesting when he shows up to the United States and talks to Congress because you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. I, yeah, I think that's, he has sort of, you know, he's broken, uh, he has a new path, Leon, and that, you know, he's come out in favor, you know, he's uh, spoken very strongly about climate, you know, climate change mm -hmm. and, and the role that, that, you know, that developed nations have in helping underdeveloped nations. And so he's, you know, there's all new territory. So I think he's, it's going to be a sensational visit. You yeah, know, I am looking forward regardless to Regardless of your, you know, of your religion. He's yeah. a real leader. And he is, you know, he is trying to inject new life uh, and a new approach, which is good. I like the idea of a year of mercy. You know, I think mercy this, is underrated. Forgiveness yes, I, is underrated, right? Yes, yes. It is something everybody can do more of. So right. I, that's I like, true. I, I like that. Okay. I, I have been reading there's going to be some outstanding souvenirs, uh, papal souvenirs. I mean, beyond the buttons and the t-shirts, they have candles, Leon. they have Pope dolls. I understand there's some Pope cheese, uh, cheese heads. I mean, it's going to be big, Leon. I mean, I, the city of Philadelphia is, is really wants to give him a very warm welcome. And, uh, they, you know, they're going out of their way to, uh, to be the city of brotherly love. There we go. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I think he's going to say some things that are going to make everybody think. And I'm yes. all for that. I am all for that. What do we have up next? We have Me? to talk about uh, Serena. Serena. Okay. Sorry. U.S. Open. Okay. You know, people ask us if we plan the show. We do kind of plan the show. We have an outline. It's usually written on post-its with some arrows and things like that. So, all right. Also, also coming to America this week, Serena Williams is going for a Grand Slam, Julie, uh, in women's tennis. This is a real Grand Slam, winning the four major tennis tournaments, which are played on four different surfaces in four different countries under four different conditions. Uh, she would be the first woman since Steffi Graf in 1988 to do this. Rod Laver did it. You know, when was that? Like. It was a long time ago. It was 47 years ago, I think, Rod Laver did it. So this is not an easy athletic feat. And I have w read a couple of articles about Serena this week. The cover of the New York Times Magazine was Serena. The cover of Sports Illustrated was Serena. And basically, this is Serena's whole pitch, Julie. This is her whole attitude. She's in it to win it. <laughs> Like that's good. That's no matter what it is, she's in it to win it. And that has been her attitude all along. And I, I, you know, we seem to find that surprising with female athletes that they're hyper competitive and they get caught up in the moment and they'll do anything to win it, but she is in it to win it. And I got to get behind that. I think, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Nobody can beat her land. Everybody tries to beat her. Nobody can beat her. You know, I mean, she is outstanding. Nobody's I mean, even close. I know that. I mean, she is, she's one of those athletes that's just in a different class. You see it, you know, uh, you see it when she plays and, uh, and I just, you know, I mean, I, I, I know everybody is saying, well, the only person who can beat Serena is Serena. So, right. uh, so uh, it's a I'm, cliche, but it's true. Cause sometimes yeah. she does appear to beat herself. She got, she's gotten pretty close to beating herself in a few matches, but she's come through this year under some hard circumstances and the rest of those grand slams. 
Yeah, John Macaron said she's the best tennis player in 100 years. Chris Everett said there's no one even close to her. So I was pleased to see that the women's final at the U.S. Open sold out before the men's final for the first time ever. She had kind of a dud first-round match yesterday with an opponent who actually had to retire uh, shortly into the second set. I would retire if I was (laughs) – I would take an injury. (laughs) I would go down. I'd just grab my knee, and roll around (laughs) on the court. You know, that's the thing about tennis. You realize, like, it is such a one-on-one sport. It is really only you out there, although I know now they all have coaches and families, and they do a lot more looking up at those family and coaches' boxes than they ever used to do before. But everybody is watching you, you know? (laughs) It's a real difference. It's like figure skating, Julie. Isn't it very much the same? It is. It's an individual sport. (laughs) It's an individual sport. I'd probably go down on the ice, too, Liam, early on. One bad triple sol cow and that is it. You're done. That's it. Yeah. You I, again, faking into the an injury, faking an injury, because that <laughs> at least you get a little sympathy as you go off the court rather than just being, you know, clobbered. <laughs> right. Well, I am looking forward to it. Me too, I'm Leah. Me all too. on board. Yeah. It would be great yes. to see a U.S. woman, a U.S. woman, do that. It'd be fantastic. She has a chance, I think, to to tie or go ahead of Chris Everett's all-time Grand Slam record if she wins this too. Uh, she's an impressive athlete to me, an interesting person. She's certainly uh, singular in her accomplishments and um, how she's reached the top. So I'm all for it, Serena. Go for it. Okay. Okay. Well put, Leon. Well put. All right. All right, Leon. Here's an issue. I, I asked you uh, before we started this the show whether this is something that people in Los Angeles are talking about because I've heard it now in multiple locations here in Dallas, and that is the use of Uber cars, Uber cars, excuse me, for teenagers. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hear people talking about this, and what I mean is that you know it's Friday night. You know the kids want to go to the football game, and then there's like some party afterwards. And instead of picking your children up from the party, you give them some money or you give them your credit, you give me your credit card because uh, there's no money with the Uber cabs that way. Um, no cash. Um, and they they come home in an Uber cab right. or they go somewhere else in an Uber cab. What, what do you think of that? William? You know, I would say this is one of the number one topics I've talked to people about over the last three or four years. Like, should I do this? Is this worth it? Am I just throwing in the towel? Is there an appropriate age? So uh, the first people I heard of using Uber were teenagers, were parents using Uber to get their kids home from parties, you know, to their SAT tutors at odd hours of the day. Uh, The worst case of abuse I heard was from a friend of mine who did set up an Uber account. She and her husband had just separated, and she discovered after the first bill that her daughter was Ubering to her boyfriend's house in the middle of the night like oh. the, the tune of like thousands of dollars in uber bills <laughs> in uber bills so that was my first encounter and i thought no one should ever get their child an uber account but yeah it, it is a topic i think it's very common around here once kids get to 16 17 but more like 17 18 years old juniors and seniors in high school to get them an uber account uh I can understand why parents do it, but I have so many questions about the security of Uber and if this is a great idea, I would not do it. And I am someone who it is complete torture to stay up and pick up your child at 11 o'clock. It is terrible to like try to stay awake so you can check them when they walk in the door. But uh, unless I was really going out, I was stuck. There was no way to get the child home. I don't know if I'd do it for a routine Saturday night. Although, on the other hand, you do not want them drinking and driving. So it's not a hard and fast rule for me. I mean, if people, kids feel like they need to take an Uber cab home instead of their friend driving them home who's had a few drinks, that's a good idea. But it's very common here for teenagers to have Uber accounts. But then they use them everywhere. They don't – they stop driving. They – they use them to go to the mall. Like it just becomes, uh, you know, they take them to school. Really? Every, they don't yeah. even want to drive? To no. drive their own cars? Well, no. They just, yeah. But, you know, if it's, it's easier. Well, there's, or... yeah, they can text with they're in the back of the Uber. They don't have to sit in LA traffic. Yeah. They don't have to park the car because that's hard. <laughs> so that may just be kids in LA. But yeah, um, yeah I, I think it's a good safety precaution. 
And there are certain events like a prom or a school dance may, where, you know, it's certainly a good alternative to renting a car. Yeah. But I, I think you still want your kids to be on notice. I don't know if you should punt entirely all the responsibility to Uber. Yeah, it does seem like some kind of abdication of um, of your parental responsibilities or it's or, it, you know, because it. Uh, but may, but I understand you don't want them to drink and drive. Right. That's but the problem. It, but we keep going back to that. Like, well, I, on the other hand, I don't want the worst thing that could possibly happen to happen. Right. Right. Oh, but it, it does. You never have a situation when you have an Uber account where you say, hey, no, you can't go out tonight because we're using the car or we're going somewhere, the parents. So the the kids think that they, you know, that this is, they're supposed to go out all, they always have access to going out. That's never, true. Yeah. You know, they That's never true. have to, st- never have to think about others. They can just, uh, just, you know, plan their social lives that way. Hmm. You know, it's just hmm. that I still have a lot of questions about Uber. You know, I don't and believe it costs a lot of money too. That's the other thing, you know, this yeah. is, no, it's not free. It's not free. And so, yeah. uh, but I, I, every parent I've talked to about this, they are weighing both sides. Like they just, you're, while you know, and you know, you want to keep an eye on them, you, you hope that they're not drinking, you hope they're not doing anything at the party. You also want them to have the ability to get home safe if they feel like they are in, you know, a dangerous situation. So I, I under, I understand why parents, I understand why parents do it. I still, and, and, and when I talk to parents, Julie, it's not like a total punting of uh, parental responsibility. It, it's not that they don't want to stay up late. and uh, Yeah, but okay. we don't. We don't want to stay up late. <laughs> or sometimes we're going places. So it's maybe it's a little bit of a punting. It's yeah. a little bit of a punting that you sort of, you know, can wrap around and go, oh, well, at least, you know, at least they'll be safe. So it was funny this week, my son Brooks is looking for a part-time job and they're advertising for Uber drivers on TV in Los Angeles. And so I said, Hey, why don't you be an Uber driver? He goes, are you kidding me? He said, you think I want to pick up drunk people all night long and have them throw up in my car? (laughs) So I think there is a lot of that. That is his perception that say they only drive during the day because the night shift is pretty rough, you know? So. That is the perception amongst, I guess, 20-year-olds of when you call an Uber. So, again, <laughs> better than getting behind the wheel of a car. Much yes. better than doing yes. that. Yes, no doubt about that. Much no better doubt. than doing that. So, uh, what do you think you would do, Julie? Uh, I, you know, it's I don't like giving up that control. I know. You know but, uh, but at the same time, I know, I, you know, I remember pleading with my kids, like, you know, just call me, I'll come pick you up or here's money for a cab. You know, I used to give them like money for a cab. I don't know where, where. <laughs> well, that was okay. not a, that wasn't really too effective. Was it Leanne? No, but, <laughs> but you know, that's what, that's what you did. You know, you, you know, we used to, right. used to be called like mad money. If you go out on a date and you don't right. like the date, you could, you had your own way to get out of it, you know? And I think that's important. Right. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. it, but you do, you know, you don't know where they are, right? You, you, you know, they're like Ubering all over the place, yes, right? That because, is true. Yeah. Very so. quickly, abuse happens. That's from yeah. almost every parent I know whose child has an Uber account. It starts as a safety measure and then it quickly devolves <laughs> into just, you know, chaos basically yeah. is what happens. Is what happens. Unregulated chaos. All right. Speaking of that, Julie, I I got this casting notice for a new reality TV show. And Uh uh, I'm on this mailing. Why why is that? Why are you getting casting? You know, because you're a big star, Leanne. And I know you're you're obviously very involved in uh, finding, discovering other stars there in Los Angeles. (laughs) But, but why? Why did you get the casting? You know, I think because on some of my professional profiles, it says producer, because that's what uh, I do essentially for this show. So, so they, they think I'm a producer. So they send me stuff. And, um, so this one is for a new docu-series. Okay. They're looking for married couples in need of help. So here's the concept. What kind kind of help? Okay. Here's the concept. Okay. It's going to allow troubled married couples the experience of what would happen if they were to actually get divorced and see the, if the end result would do more harm than good. It's a chance for them to experience quote, how divorce impacts family, friends, loved ones, and the community. It will help you understand what is at stake. 
financially, emotionally, and practically. So they're looking for married couples who have come to a crucial point in which their decision must be made at one that will have far reaching consequences. So there used to be, they call it like a trial marriage. So this is like a trial, trial divorce. divorce. Yeah. So what, I mean, I think that was, I think it's kind of an interesting concept. Don't you? I'm not really a big reality TV person. And believe me, I get a lot of these casting things for, it's always like, do you want to lose weight? Do you have a, you know, do you have a beef with your neighbor? I don't, I don't bring those to the air, but the trial divorce, that is really something to think about, isn't it? So I don't even, so how would that happen? Like, you know, like you, so you have your divorce and they split up and they have to sell the family home and the kids are crying and they, you know, everybody has to move out and you're yes. you know, living I, in crummy apartments and the wife has to go, you know, who doesn't, you know, who's been a stay at home mom has to go back to work. Yes. Yeah. I guess that's how they set it up. I mean, it's just and a, there a girlfriend moves in with the husband. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or maybe, right. Or maybe there's custody battles, you know reaction of your family and friends I thought was interesting like do you have to pretend that you're divorced and and then you know see which way your friends go I mean of course this is also a show that could unravel very quickly <laughs> very quickly this this seems like there would be a lot of unraveling in this yeah, show. This, that is the nature of the reality TV business. Like they position it like this, like they're going to be helpful. They're going to give you some therapy. It could be the only way it says to strategically examine what it's truly like to be divorced and see if it's the only true option for you and your family. Or it could just be like a complete hack job where they force you into these awful situations and you find yourself yelling and screaming at everyone. Oh, Either that, one. I mean, so I, divorce is, I, divorce is yeah. so sad. It you is know? sad. And, it's, and, it's, and sad. it's such a tough thing. Yes. And, uh, and to have a show that, oh gosh, that, that's just, it's, that's, it's like a train wreck. And I know people are going to want to watch this too, because, right. Right. because so many people are, you know, go through this, they've had experience, their children of divorce or, you know, but, oh, that sounds terrible. Leanne. In that really all does. of these shows like this, I always wonder why would you put your children on TV? And that's what all, a lot of these shows come out, you know, <laughs> ultimately end up as like entire yeah. families on TV. Right. So I will get notices, all kinds of things about kids, this kids, that. And I like to reply, I don't think children should be on television. I look, <laughs> they're, they're not really looking for my input, Julie, they are, but I'm giving it to them. That's so, good. Link. Keep doing it. So Keep this doing. is one of these things. Like, I think if you, you know, if you want to try therapy or separation, but I don't think going on a reality TV show is ever the answer to anything. No, I, it's, it's like all, it's like the, those dating shows. It's, you're really not going to find the love of your life. No. The Bachelor. No. Okay? You just are not. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. All wow. right. But if anyone's interested, go ahead and email me. I'll give you the address that you can. Well, I can tell you. You can go to stayorgocasting.com. <laughs> Stay or go casting.com. Stay or go casting.com. There you go. If you're interested, right. go check it out. All right. Well, Leanne, I don't think we should worry about that. But, and I have, and I also saw a wonderful article in Real Simple Magazine about five things that won't be a big deal down the road. So you can stop worrying about these things. Oh, good. They put together a panel of financial experts, family experts, Pulitzer Prize winning authors. And these are things that like, just take it off your worry list. Lynn. Okay. You know, I mean, we have things to worry about, no doubt, but not these. Uh, the financial planner says the first thing that you don't, you, know, you just can stop worrying about is that impractical splurge. Let me, let me tell you the example she gave. She said, you know, you set a budget for your wedding and, uh, the dress of your dreams, it's outside your budget limits. And so you decide not to get it. And, you know, you wear a, a lesser dress to your wedding. And then you spend the rest of your life before you end up on the reality TV show that Leanne just uh, talked about, thinking about that dress that you didn't get. The financial planner is saying, if you make an, you know, a one-time impractical splurge, that's fine. You know, that's, you're really going to get over it. It's not going to be such a big deal down the road. Okay. But it's, it's the person that is 
splurging every single day on little things or, you know, or living outside their means, that's a bigger problem. But the one-time impractical splurge, that, that's not going to kill you, and you can stop worrying about it. Oh, you know what? I should have bought those slingbacks then for my wedding. <laughs> I have, honestly, I have been regretting that for 22 years. Really? Yeah. Man. Now I just feel worse. <laughs> mom, <laughs> mom made me get the plain pumps and I didn't want them. I wanted the slingbacks because remember, I wore a short dress. All I right. Know, All right. A little mini dress. Yeah, I okay. know. Don't do what I did then, brides. Get the slingbacks. Go for okay. it. Get the okay. slingbacks. All right. So that that's the um, second thing you can stop worrying about is your teenager's purple hair. Okay. The family oh, yeah. expert. Yeah, expert. Yeah. It's a face. They're going to do something. Yeah. It's just hair. You know, it's not, there are bigger things or other things to worry about, but some period of time with purple hair is not going to be a big deal down the road. You know, yeah, in, the, you know in the course of their lives, that's it. Third area of problems to just, just take it off your list is uh, what they refer to as the problems of privilege, the brand of your smartphone whether or not you got invited to a party or not. The fact that you had, there was a price hike on your cross-country um, airline flight, okay? <laughs> These are not really big problems. These are not big deals. I mean, when you think about the refugees in Europe, Lincoln, right, okay, I okay? I mean, if you are thinking about, oh, gee, I've got an inferior brand of a smartphone, you, uh, co you know, you're missing the opportunity to really maybe solve a big problem or to think about the right things. So you have to stop worrying about that kind of stuff. Okay. It just, it's, that's it. It's, okay. you know, this, these are problems of privilege and they are not big deals down the road and you should focus on a big deal. The next one that they had, which I, I thought is that you can stop worrying about is your career path. Okay. And they say it's because nobody really cares what your job is, you know, <laughs> nobody, okay. but you, unless you are CEO of Facebook, that is the only exception. Nobody <laughs> really cares what your career path is, you know, and I that, know that's, I mean, it seems a little glib to say, don't worry about your career path. Well, you, to the, to the point where, I mean, you can be interested in your career and be dedicated to your career, but you don't have to be like freaking out about, you know, am I making all the right moves? Okay. Am I you know, jumping to the right companies? Okay. Am I, do I have the right title? You know, blah, blah, blah. So that is not going to be a big deal down the road. But again, if you're CEO of Facebook, that is going to be a big deal down the road, right? So, so keep that in mind. Keep up the good work. Keep up the good work. And then the final thing that they said stop worrying about, which I know we disagree with, which is having a lot of friends on Facebook or Twitter followers, right? Okay. They, they're, they're saying that, you know, that these technologies come and go and that this is you shouldn't measure your self-worth based on, based on these sort of trending things because – they're not going to be a big deal down the road, but we really want to be friends with you on Facebook <laughs> and we really want people to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Don't we, Leanne? Yes. And we think about that. So we are going to worry about that. And that's why we continue to put up new pictures and new material. There's new stuff going on at our Facebook group all the time, right? Yes. Uh, yes, there is. Yeah. Yes. You can find us both at our official page and then ask to join our group page where there's a lot of lively discussion happening there. On Instagram, we're at Sat Sisters. Same at, with on Twitter. Yeah. At, so, and this weekend we are going to be announcing the winner of the hashtag Sat Sisters Summer Fun Contest at um, on Instagram. Liz, uh, Liz is in charge of that contest, and we are we are picking a winner. <laughs> we right? have a lot it's, of entries. Yeah, I know we, do. we have over a thousand pictures. Okay, <laughs> so this is the this is it. This is the last week. So if you've been having fun this summer. Come on, send us your pictures. It's really easy. I, I mean, if I can do Instagram, you can do Instagram. That's the only thing you need to know. That's true. It's true. It's I true. like how you say that. You know, I'm thinking, though, I don't worry about friends on social media. It's not something I, oh, like, oh, I wish I had more friends. But I'm happy to have friends on social media, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
No worry yeah. about it. And we had an interesting, speaking of the career path, we had an interesting discussion on the Facebook page because last week we were talking about college tuition and how much uh, students are graduating in debt. Of course, the college tuition pricing has just got to change. The student loan situation has got to change. And people put very thoughtful comments up there about, you know, we had mentioned mainly students, kids, but a lot of people taking out college loans or people in their early 20s, maybe the military, going back to work. They are are having trouble paying back their loans. A lot of people who haven't even, they went to college for one year and then they never finished. They have loans that are outstanding. So yes, we want to acknowledge that. And another uh, mom said she thought it was an interesting discussion that we went from the college loans to finding livelihood. I mentioned Nancy Nordenson's book on sort of how you could find a you know, work that's really meaningful to your soul in relation to God. And she's like, not if you have thousands of dollars of student loans, which she's kind of right about that. So uh, she made she made the point that her son just had to switch majors from special education to something where he's going to make more money because he realizes he can't pay off his loans with special education. Yeah. So there's a lot of serious discussion going on over there on, on our Facebook group. Uh, so if you haven't become a member, do. It's a lot of fun. And then there are also just a lot of of um, pictures of Poldark with no shirt on and um, oh, well, we have to talk about the chicken vests Liam <laughs> okay really it's if you've always been if you've been reluctant to join Facebook if you think it's really kind of stupid or you know you don't want to get involved you need to join because you need to see the picture of these chickens with little hand knit sweater vests on because that is that isn't that the essence of Facebook land yeah. and the internet? <laughs> it really right is. There. That's it. it really is. <laughs> and I also have appreciated many cat postings because, you know, recently a cat came into my life. So this week there was a whole uh, post on other people who had like cats in their house that were not their cats. That made me laugh a lot. Just like <laughs> cats in the sink, cats in the closet. I don't know anything about cats, having been a dog person my entire life. So it surprises me that cats just show up. But Julie had... I'm just going to tell one quick cat story. I mean, and at this point, if you don't want to hear any cat stories, uh, thanks for joining us. So I won't, I won't hold this against you if you, do, if you tune out now. But. Yeah, like two years ago, you would have tuned out. Right? Yeah. Oh, God. Cats? You, would have, you would have just shut down. What, they're going to talk about cats? Okay, that's it. I'm done. Okay. But go ahead, Liam. Let's bring it on home with some cat news. Okay. So, you know, like three and a half, four months ago now, this tiger kitty showed up in my backyard. And at first it was just, you know, roaming the perimeter. And then it got bolder and braver and then started like showing up on my front porch around dinner time. So, of course, I started feeding it because even though I'm not a cat person and I'm very allergic to cats and I have no desire to pet a cat ever... (laughs) I don't want to see animals starve. No, you know? you're, you're just so you're softy. Yeah, I'm a little like bit of a softy. Yeah. I like animals, and I've recent I lost my dog. You know, less than a year ago. I still miss having a little furry friend around the house. So I started feeding uh, this cat that I named Palm because it liked to hang out under the pomegranate tree. So the other day, I was in the backyard with my friend Aileen, who's a neighbor. And, um, now that being said, like Palm shows up for dinner, but there will be two or three days in a row where I don't see the cat. I just, he comes, he eats, he leaves. There's no, we have no personal relationship. I mean, we have some eye contact occasionally, but that's it. (laughs) So, so Palm made a surprise, uh, you know, uh, surprise appearance in the backyard. And my friend Aileen looked at me, she goes, you have a cat? (laughs) And I was like, you know, she knows I'm solidly in the dog camp. I said, well, I told her the story. And she said, you know, so-and-so lost a cat that looked just like that. Okay, here's who so-and-so is, Julie. Good people will remember my beloved German Shepherd Mia, how she used to bark her head off, right? At her arch enemy. At her arch enemy. Okay, Mm -hmm. her arch enemy's owner was my personal nemesis. He's an unpleasant man who has terrorized the whole neighborhood with his unpleasant dog and his unpleasant attitudes about everything. So my neighbor said, oh, I think that was so-and-so's cat, Oh, no. my arch enemy's cat. Okay, here's the thing, Julie. Now I realize this is not, this is not just a, a, this is not a, you know, I haven't just saved this cat. This cat is a political refugee. <laughs> this is, this is oh. not a rescue situation, Julie. This cat came to me seeking asylum. 
from the tyranny <laughs> of living at so-and-so's house. He's like the Alexander Solzhenitsyn of cats now, this palm. I feel like I have a whole new mission to just rise up with this kitty and let him live a life of freedom, a life of freedom where he can speak his mind freely, my cat. Can you believe it? <laughs> oh, you're in deep land. This is this is getting very Exciting. complicated, yeah. Matt. Hey, I didn't get a notice. I lost my cat. There wasn't, he didn't put anything up on any of the telephone poles. So I don't feel any obligation. I just know in my heart that my husband was wrong. Cause my husband said, cats don't run away from people. This cat ran, Julie, this cat, he ran, he ran to sanctuary. He knew he could find it from me. And I welcome him as a poli <laughs> with political asylum. I welcome You're him as a hero. The cat is seeking political asylum. I welcome him as a hero. <laughs> I was like that. You know what I gave him? You're going to get arrested for cat napping, Lillian. I, you know? I, I gave him some salmon that night for dinner, Julie. I <laughs> I broke out the good stuff for for Palm, <laughs> my little political refugee. <laughs> so. You like him even better now. I do. Oh. <laughs> You're going to take him in. He's going to sleep at the foot of your bed. Again, He's sleep no, on no, your pillow, Liam. no, no, very allergic. No, no interest in petting or letting him in the house. Just happy to support his political agenda. <laughs> happy to do that. <laughs> happy to do that. <sighs> All right. What do you have planned for the week? Anything? Uh, well, it's fall, Liam's back to fall. So now I have to do all of the things that I said, oh, I'll wait till September. Yeah. I'll, wait, uh, I'll wait till September. I have a big, long to-do list. It's gigantic, Liam. It's just mm -hmm. things I have been procrastinating about. In fact, I wanted to talk about procrastination on the show, but I didn't get it together. So, uh, <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Next week. Next week, maybe. So that's, that's what I got. What are you, what, what are you working Well, it's September on? 1. It means I can start bugging my son every day about college applications. So oh, well, that's going to go well, Liam. That's going to go well. <laughs> well, we have an official meeting at his school tonight. And so I feel like that's the kickoff of the nagging. So I'm looking, <laughs> that's a reason, reason to care. Sort I of mean, like a pep rally. It is. A, a naggers pep rally. Okay. <laughs> it is. So. That's what's gonna, that's what's that's what's happening here. Hey, I do want to mention um, congratulations to Ellen Herrick, one of our satellite sisters. Today is the pub day for her book, The Sparrow Sisters. Uh, so I don't know if any of you caught Ellen on Cape Cod, but congratulations to Ellen. And uh, next week we're talking to Erica Zhang. I got to send you that book. I'm finishing it up, so it's good. <laughs> if you're in, if you're still in on the interview, if oh, you yeah. read it and you feel like you can't hold up, if you're too embarrassed. <laughs> We're going to have to say S-E-X, okay? We are. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, we are. It's Erica Zhang. We're going to have to do it. We're going to have to, okay. going to, have to be brave. All right. <laughs> We're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. <laughs>